This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking television today and a new program called Fight for Planet A, Our Climate Challenge. I'm um, joined by the host today and the producer, Craig Rucastle and Jody Boylan. Welcome. Good to be here. Thank you for having us, James. Now, did you both work together on um, War on Waste? Absolutely, yes, yes. Jody is my boss. <laughs> so I, I guess this is sort of a follow-up, but it, it does something different. Um, who wants to explain that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not a follow-up to War on Waste. It's its own show, but it's, it's about climate change and it's about what we can do to stop climate change. And it's not kind of following the science of this is climate change, it's happening. It's just the next step along, which is, well, other things that we can do in our own lives to actually reduce our own carbon footprint, but also what does government and business need to do to solve the problem that we, we know we face? Yeah, I think you say early on, didn't you, that um, you're not here to talk about and debate is there climate change? You, you assume most people understand that, that it is happening? Yeah, I think we we didn't we didn't enter into that de- debate at all in this series. What we want to people to understand is more the fact that each and every one of us have a carbon footprint, and what does that look like? And what does that mean? And how can I how can I change that or alter my carbon footprint, um, and therefore have an impact on the environment and planet? Yeah, exactly. And the reality is that the vast majority of Australians and people around the world accept that climate change is real and there's there's really no purpose engaging with that. It's just, you know, it's like I'm not going to start the news report about coronavirus, about whether or not it exists or not. It's a pointless exercise. We're following the science, we're following the facts and that's the important thing to do. Um, I just refreshed my memory to my thoughts of... um did War on Waste, was there two seasons or was there a, like a follow-up sometime after the first series? <clears throat> yeah, so we did, um, we did three initial one hours and then we did a follow-up fourth episode in the first series and then we did a second series with, with another three hours just because we hadn't had enough of <laughs> other all of waste. So it was seven one hours altogether. Okay, okay. And, and it was greeted quite, um, I mean, it did really well in the ratings if I remember too, didn't it? Yeah, surprisingly, a show about going through your bins was very high-ranking. <laughs> I don't know. I was certainly shocked about that. What about you, Joes? Were you shocked? I was completely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I knew that it... I, I, I wasn't shocked that the message would resonate with... with with an audience because I, I think I knew that there was a, there was an initial interest there and, and a want to kind of do something different. But I guess um, I was shocked by the, the flow on effect of it. You know, the impact that the show created is probably what I was more shocked about <laughs> is, um, is the changes that it made, you know, in, you know, in government and, you know, in, in, in people's lives, in, in, communities as well um, and in corporations. So that's probably what shocked me the most. Craig, the, the, the response was really good, but it's, um, would I be right in saying it, a, a thirst for that sort of programming hasn't flooded the commercial sector? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question, James. Um, 
don't know the answer to that. Look, I do think this is one of these shows that you can only really do properly on the ABC. There's a certain kind of programming where particularly, you know, you're really calling out big business. You don't want to be held back in, in also calling out government. And actually, there are commercial shows that do that. But I think overall, this show would be quite difficult to do on a commercial network. And that's why it's good to have the ABC there. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if nothing like this has been done on commercial networks. But that's just because I'm extremely bad at watching television. Hmm. What about you, Joe? Do you, do you think, I mean... To me, that should have signalled to, to commercial networks, but maybe this is an, an area they could explore a bit further. Um, I think with commercial networks, there's constraints by, I guess, advertisers. And, you know, in a show like Waste, we, you know, it's more a waste, we were definitely going... Uh, you know, we couldn't be held back by that, you know. The editorial content couldn't have been, you know, compromised by the next commercial that came off after the outbreak. So, um, uh, I, I, you know, I think, you know, it'd be very brave for a commercial network to take on a show like War and Waste, and I, I challenge them to do so. Yeah. The, and, and I take Craig's point that this isn't a follow-up, so excuse me for sort of lumping them both in together, but I'm interested in asking you about the impact that War on Waste had. Does it make you, does it encourage you that you might get a similar uh, impact from what you're um, exploring in um, Fight for Planet A? I mean, you're very hopeful about it. I would say that look, I was surprised by the impact that War on Waste had, and I think I learned a lot of things from that in hindsight, and there's no pre-genius on my part at all in terms of that. And I think Jody probably had a bit more genius and foresight in that area. But what I found interesting about War on Waste was that we, we knew from research that a lot of these ideas have been brought up in the past and it hit walls when it came to policy. And we didn't want to just rely on saying the government needs to change this because then it becomes very frustrating if you can't do anything yourself. So we put a lot of stuff in there about what you can do yourself. What was surprising about that was that people acting and becoming passionate about the changes they made had a flow and effect upwards from the community upwards to policymakers. And I've had politicians say to me, look, we don't lead, we follow. There's a bit of truth to that. So when they saw the community getting involved and being passionate about it, they started becoming involved. Now, I would hope that that would <clears throat> happen in the climate space as well, but I'm also very wary and as a student of politics, I'm very wary of the fact that that has happened a lot of times in Australia in the past. It's been a lot of times we've had a lot of momentum from the public and it's been stopped. And I think that there are a lot more vested interests at work in the climate space than there were in the waste space. So it's a much harder space to get change in. Yeah. The, um, you pack a fair bit into the uh, first episode of this new series, which I should say debuts, I think, August 11? Yes, Tuesday right. night, 8.30. Tuesday night, that is. But, of course, you can watch it on demand on iView whenever um, it suits your need. Um, Craig, for people who followed your career, there's a, still a fair bit for them in this. The, um, the PR flyer says, presenter, prankster and positive planet promoter. They've gone all out on the P's there, but um, <laughs> you, you have a bit of fun hanging around Parliament House in this too, don't you? 
Yeah, we do. There are a few instances of uh, visiting politicians and um, a few kind of old school stunts involved in this, which are always a lot of fun to do. I enjoy uh, <laughs> doing that again. Uh, so, and we do that. We do that not just politicians. We do some uh, stunts with <laughs> companies as well, which uh, is always fun as well. And um, so, yeah, look, we do that kind of stuff not only to provide entertainment, but because sometimes it's the only way you can really engage with people because they're not necessarily wanting to, you know, talk to you otherwise. Could I ask you about that? And I think it was at the um, the members' entrance to Parliament House where you were. For part of it, yeah. Has over the years you've been doing that working around Parliament House, has the red tape got more complicated? Because it seemed like you thought you had authority to be inside, where in fact you didn't. Yes, it has. I think it has. Even in the last few years, I mean, you've been doing it yeah. longer, but even the last few years since we've been doing this, you know, it, it's got trickier. And they kind of caught us out on a technicality, didn't they? Yeah, look, it has it has got harder. I mean, you need to get a bit more permission nowadays than you maybe did in the old days. And so Parliament itself has become much more secure, and now you've got fences over everything. So, uh, look, I, I, to, to their credit, though, they still said you can come down and do this stunt, but then they just kind of shut us down and used a few technicalities, which is a bit of a shame. But um, they maybe didn't think we were going to turn up, you know, with 100 balloons strapped to my back. You know, they were harmless. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jody, what were the challenges in organising all those balloons, which are, are used a number of times during the series? Did you only ever have the one big group or did you have to do them a few times? Um, we, had, we did use, reuse balloons in a couple of the scenes, um, but the challenges in doing anything like that is um, just organising the team together to come together and do things at kind of short notice. Um, so... You know, um, you know, as the manpower, you know, who's going to drive, who's going to bring all the uh, props. Um, and, and we were very cautious about using the balloons as a visual reference, a visual aid to you know, represent our carbon footprint because of the environment, in, environment impact of balloons. Uh, so that in itself meant that we were very vigilant with, uh, with tying them down, with strapping them to crate. We always have people around to kind of, you know, manage, you know, the balloons and make sure none got loose in the making of that, mm. um, that scene. So that was the most important thing to me about it is that I, I didn't want a balloon to become loose and go into the atmosphere uh, in the creation of the stunts. But I'll just say that that's like a formula or, or, or policies that we put in back place way back from when we started doing War on Waste. You know, we were very mindful of to, you know, in our, in our visual references or our um, uh, stunts that we did, that we didn't have an impact on the environment when we were setting up those, you know, those, you know, specific challenges, you know, our visual um, representations of the problem or the statistic. Um, yeah. So we've kind of carried that through in our production policies um, uh, through making this series as well. Yeah, so we not only didn't want to actually create any waste or make sure no balloons went free. We also were very aware of the carbon footprint of this show. So we did a, a lot of carpooling. We offset the entire show as well uh, multiple times. So it's, you know, we were very wary of, of, of trying to reduce the footprint of ourselves when actually doing it as well. 
And, and even setting up, you know, Zoom calls um, or Skype calls with the families to kind of track their pro progress through the climate challenge. Um, we were doing that so that, you know, Craig didn't have to fly into every location every time he wanted to have a catch up with them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. The, the one thing about the pandemic is that all of the, the fact that we're doing all of that chat online will seem very normal to everyone. We were doing it pre-pandemic because of the carbon footprint involved, and now it just seems like it's the norm. The the scenes at the school children's rally for the environment, <clears throat> which I think was in was that the, the domain in Sydney then outside Parliament House. Yeah, that was we shot that was at the domain at the, at the student strike um, that was in base that was in Sydney, um, and that was actually one of the first scenes we we shot, wasn't it? Well, the very first scene that we shot. Um, uh, for the series. And Craig, I mean, you were sh shedding a tear there. You were very moved, weren't you? It, it, it sort of surprised me a little bit to, to see this tough, cynical character from The Chaser and he's, you know, <laughs> two school kids and he's a, he's a, you know. I know. Look, the reality is, is I'm an absolute sook. Like, I'll cry at a nappy commercial. I've cried at The Simpsons before. But I've managed to hide this from the population for a long time. But, no, no, it was a very emotional day. I think I, think I, I find particularly the intergenerational, you know, unfairness of climate change to be pretty overwhelming. You know, if you've got kids or you're considering your grandkids, you are really shafting them in a massive way. And I think that our generation needs to be doing far more to make sure we're not just handing over this, you know, pile of crap to the next generation. Mm. Yeah, which they seem all very concerned about, and rightly so. And I yeah, and this is the problem: is they, you know, they feel powerless. It's also, it's also feeling that powerlessness from them. You know, they're putting on these protests because, in many cases, they can't vote. They see this issue constantly being dealt with, and you know, put to the second hand or put behind as a lesser issue. And yet, they're the other ones are going to have to deal with it. And so, it's that kind of powerlessness of it as well that I think frustrated me. But it's actually become quite powerful. I think that the climate strike has been the main kind of protest movement that has brought people together behind this issue. So it's amazing what they've done and a true testament to them. Jody, could I ask you about you assemble a, a, um, a panel of households, is it four or five different families? Five, fam five households. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much did you have to go? Did What was the response like when you put a call out and was it was it hard to sort of get the the makeup of the panel you wanted? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because essentially we're asking them. It's a social experiment, you know, that they take on um, at their own. You know, uh, you know, we're not paying them to do that. You know, this is at their own cost, um, and so. Um, it was quite hard to find a family that were all willing to do it um, or household. Um, and I should say household because that's what we focused on is we wanted to have uh, people from different locations, different, um, uh, dem you know, demographics, um, different makeups of families. Um, and, and I guess different um, kind of, you know, needs and, and wants and things like that was really important. Um, and, and yeah, it was, so it was really hard to find those, you know, everyone, you know, that was willing to get on board and do it for the time period that we needed to do it so that we could see. And we also, we didn't know what the outcome would be. And that was really challenging and many sleepless nights 
and Craig um, did a great job with the research team, you know, going through all the data and um, and us trying to kind of and, and try and help them along the way so that they could make some changes. So it was a big risk to take, you know, to put that kind of, you know, big chunk of the show um, and and you know, big lot of like a lot of editorial content for the show, um, and that when we didn't know what the outcome would be at the end. Yeah. So could I ask you, were some better than others at um, chronicling their um, and and whatever they had to sort of measure during the, the course of the project? Yeah, it's okay. Go, Jenny. Sorry, I was going to say it wasn't it wasn't a challenge between each of the households, and and Craig does say that um, that they weren't in a competition between each other. Mm. It was just within themselves to, to try and make a difference. And and as I, as I said, you know everyone and you know different things going on in their lives and they just it was about adapting they're giving the kind of tools and, and information that we gave them and, and, and adapting that to their lifestyle um, and and kind of taking on what they could um, whether it was you know changing the type of meat they ate or you know re- you know removing meat from a from one of the you know uh, meals of the week or removing it completely um, that was up to them. Um, and we left it up to them and to decide, and we just measured the outcomes at the end. Yeah, and that was the thing is that we had we wanted to have very different families. You know, you had established families that owned their own property. You had students in share accommodation, and obviously you're going to have very different footprints to start with, but you're also going to have very different ability to make changes in those circumstances. So it was a, an experiment, and they were all really rose to the challenge. I mean, I think even with a couple more months, it would have been amazing to see how much even extra they had done. So, uh, yeah, I was it was really wonderful to see how they how they adapted and how much change they managed to achieve. And Craig, could I ask you about the corporate um, headquarters? Now, was it in Perth? Yeah. Was it Woodside and then someone else? Chevron and Woodside. That's right, yeah. Now, they both seem relatively um, polite to you when, you when you rocked up. But in the past, am I right in thinking, oh, back in the old days, not everybody sort of, handled you as sort of gently as they did? Uh, look, we always had people who were fairly gentle with us and okay. lovely and, you know, you know, we're not, obviously those people that are greeting us there, we're not blaming them for it at all. So we're not trying to be mean to them at all. Right. Uh, we are trying to get up to the higher people, but they tend to be protected by a large coterie around them. So, you know, look, over the years it's been interesting, particularly with politicians, some have, you know, got the shits and had a tansy and they tend to look bad when they do so and those that are friendly kind of look a bit better so the, the people we visited were, were lovely about it i did almost so i shouldn't say this should i do but i did almost like accidentally drive a you know or push a cart full of trees through a window uh, during that so luckily i didn't break anything in the end but you know all fun and games, James. All fun and games. <laughs> they, yes, they might not have been so lovely and friendly if that had happened. <laughs> I don't think I would have been there any either. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think your line was that you had a million of these and I think you could see the look on the guy's face that he was really puzzled and he was thinking, he was trying to do yeah, the math. Has yeah, he really yeah. got a million of these out in the street? It was 20 million. It was 20 million. I'll tell you what, Joe. You see, this is the thing. Is if only that guy had thought to say, okay, 
let's bring them in, show me your 20 million trees. Then it would have been us who'd been screwed because we, of course, didn't have 20 million trees outside. Right, right. <laughs> it was hard enough to bring hundreds. Yeah. Do, do, do you get any sort of discourse with any of the leaders of any of these businesses later on or were they all pretty well staying behind the scenes? We got some responses from them but not, not an enormous amount of engagement from them. Um, and, yeah, like this is it. We just, you know, obviously if we are going to ask people in their own households to make a change to their carbon footprints, we can't do that without also pointing out the kind of not even the elephants in the room but the elephants in the nation who are also creating the largest carbon emissions and doing very little about it. So we had to do that as well. Yeah. And that's why we go to places like that. I think they'd be more like the humpback whales of the... <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've watched episode one. If I stick with it, and I certainly will, I'll watch them all, but will I make some significant savings? Yeah, well, you do make savings. It's interesting because we could have focused a lot more on the actual financial savings that you make, and that is the case. With a lot of the changes that people make, they made a big savings as well, but we didn't want to just focus on that because we wanted to focus on the changes you can make to your own carbon footprint. Because, you know, there comes, in some instances, there might be a, you know, with solar panels, for instance, there's an upfront cost. And obviously, not all the households could afford that. Some did do it. And they're going to save an enormous amount going forwards. But we weren't setting up a challenge as to how you can save money. You know, it was a challenge as to how you can reduce your carbon footprint. And luckily, nowadays, a lot of those things are things that will save you money. But that's not the focus of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Just, an, just an added bonus along the way. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. The, um, so, we, and, and we do get to, I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm glad I didn't put underfloor heating in my house. I mean, <laughs> I would have felt bad about turning it on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing because people tend to think it's, oh, it's my lights that, are, you know, create all the problem and they yell at their kids for not turning the lights off. And the reality is, well, you know, you need to find the data before you make the changes. So that's why we go into these houses and we turn on lights and turn on air conditioning and turn on underfloor heating and turn on TVs and actually discover what it is that's pushing up their their electricity consumption and show you where that actually comes from. Um, and it's Generally, not your big large stream TVs. So, James, you can sit back and watch the fight for Planet A on a gigantic television and not feel too guilty. Mm. Just don't have the bloody underfloor heating on while you're doing it. Fantastic. Uh, Jody, you've made some uh, Craig Rucastle masks, which which get a bit of a, um, a, a passed around during that first episode. How many did you have to manufacture? Um, I think we made about 10. We handmade those in the office okay. um, and then we've been using them um, for wrap parties um, mm. and, you know, they've come in handy through this, through this virus. They do it to take the piss out of me. I know if I turn up to a room and everyone's wearing a Craig Rucastle mask that I won't be happy. Uh, it freaks you out, i got to say, James. I thought it might have been some old chaser merchandise that it was sitting in a garage somewhere. No, no. And the funny thing about it is, and I shouldn't say this, but if you think it through when you watch that particular segment, it actually makes no sense that we're all wearing Craig Rucastle masks. I think it made sense in an earlier version of the script, but it didn't really make sense in the end. But we didn't change it for some reason. I think that was, yeah. Because it's funny. <laughs> I know. It's uh... <laughs> What was, uh, Jody, what was the most difficult setup, the most difficult thing to shoot? 
I mean, I, I thought that pile of coal was quite clever, but, but it must have taken a little bit of time to set it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long did we try to find a pile of coal, Jody, and end up having to kind of... Oh, yes. God. Yes. Yes. It, um, look, I think when, when, when it comes down to it, and Craig will, will agree, is that trying to... Uh, help people visualise the issues, the problems, the statistics was probably the biggest challenge and trying to find something, you know, a visual means, whether it was the black balloons or that pile of coal or the ice block, just to try to decide and come up with the plan and how to pull that off is probably the biggest challenge that we faced. Um, And, uh, but, you know, I guess... The ice block probably was one of the logistics. Yeah. I haven't seen the ice block yet. It's oh, in episode wow. two. Oh, in episode two, you'll see the big ice block, and that's probably was probably one of the biggest challenges um, okay. to create for the series. Yeah. Hell yeah! All right, fantastic. I, I look forward to that. Look, before I let you both go, I'll plug the show again. Look, it's um Tuesday, August eleven. It starts. Fight for Planet A. Um, great viewing. Lots of laughs and. Money-saving ideas, you help save the planet. Lots of reasons to watch. Um, Jody, Cast, you, you've done some great work in the past. You've you've done a fair bit of rural work, haven't you, with um, Matt Moran on Paddock to Plate. I think you worked on, um, what was the other show? Um, I did uh, River Cottage, Australia. Yeah, River Cottage, yeah, yeah. Now, were you out on location for both those? Yes, yes, I was. Okay. I, I love that little house on um, River Cottage that... Um, I always thought that was idyllic and the sort of place I could just imagine, you know, retiring to. Tilba. Tilba Tilba is a beautiful place and I definitely think you should go down there and visit. The house is still there, even though um, the show is not, but you can also visit Paul West, who is the host of the show, and he lives very close by in Bermagui. So um, it was an incredible place to work um, and film and call home for a, a period of time. And there's one show I'll just quickly ask you about on your CV. Um, it was a huge show, but it, I think you'd be first to admit it didn't do terribly well. <laughs> the, the Renovators on 10. Oh, yes. The that, 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 in its time, that was a massive investment from 10, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big show. It was a massive investment. It was a massive show to put together. It was huge. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. And it came at the time, I think it was Paul Franklin and, and the Fantasy Brothers, and they were red hot, of course, because they just had the huge master chef hit, and they spent a fortune on the show. And it, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it just didn't really engage the audience. Unfortunately, sometimes, um, you know, you can work on the biggest shows with the biggest budgets yeah. um, and, and not have the biggest impact. And I think that's what you learn along the way. Um, that you can have a great impact with smaller budgets and smaller yeah. shows as well. And I can see Craig grinning. He's going, what's this guy doing asking him? <laughs> no, no, I'm loving it. I, I know you, you've got such a crazy uh, memory of things. I'm, I'm just hoping you're not going to trawl through my CV as well. <laughs> I, I was really enjoying watching Jody sit there going, what's he going to say? <laughs> you never get away with a James interview without him trawling up something that you wouldn't happen in another interview. No, I'm not going to trawl through your CV, but I want to ask you, Craig, um, do, you, do you know what else you're up to and are there any Chaser Group products you can, you can hint at? 
Uh, not, at the, well, not at the moment. There's not Chaser. There's a bit of uh, Chaser radio stuff and podcast stuff happening, although I haven't been able to turn up a lot to that due, due to busyness. Uh, who knows in the future? We'll see what happens on that front. Uh, at the moment, I'm um, directing something, which is amusing. It's, it's a great experience because I get to realise all the things that frustrate Jody about directing me. So. <laughs> So it's really good. It's good fun. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll what, have, what is it? What, what's the, what are you directing? I'm directing uh, the Democracy Project, which is the working title for a, a, a feature documentary about democracy at the moment. Okay. Oh, great. It's involving Christian Van Vuren from the Bondo Hipsters. So. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. Jodie, do you know what you're doing next? I don't. I don't know what I'm doing next. Um, <clears throat> I've got a few ideas, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing solid at the moment. I don't know. Maybe I need to have lunch with Craig and we can come up with something. <laughs> we should give a plug to Loon Media with a production company involved, uh, the wonderful Leonie Lowe. So they do some great work. So um, I, I look forward to the rest of this and, and whatever you both get up to next. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, James. Cheers. Thank you, James. Thank you so much. <laughs>